So Rob, you've had a chance now to take a look at my book, Nonfiction Brand, and you insinuated that you might have some questions that you would like to ask about it. I'm interested to hear what those questions are because I definitely wrote the book to be very understandable and almost casual, but interesting. What questions did I not answer completely? Well, and you did a really good job on those, but these are more opinion and additional questions. One of them particularly that stuck out to me because in the developer world that I deal with, there's a lot of people that have a side hustle. You have a professional job and a career, but you also have a side hustle. And when you get into the brand, the personal brand idea from somebody who, like yourself, obviously, who is a really deeply understands brands is I want to get your thoughts a little bit on almost the split personality that some have was they, they've got a career and maybe this is the idea of an evolution of a brand is where you're a career, but now you're splitting into, you've got a, a side hustle that is maybe growing that at some point you're having to balance those two, but then eventually maybe you're going to switch that side hustle. That's really your brand. I think what you're referring to is what I would think of as, are you building it to sell it, scale it, sustain it, maybe have that take over your career or are, or is it truly just something you enjoy doing on the side or is it some hybrid thereof? Because one of the biggest questions people have is if I'm doing branding and I've got a side hustle, shouldn't I be branding my side hustle instead of me? If you have a burning desire to create an organization, an app, some type of, I don't know, a retail store, maybe you're a hobby brewer and you want to become a, a beer guy. Is this just a side hustle or is it a desired, you know what, I would like to turn this into something. Either way, the foundation of whatever you create is based on who you are, what you do and how you do it, because that will define everything that company does. Because until you've got 50 employees, it's still you that people are going to be buying in terms of your reputation, in terms of what you do, how you do it, and in terms of the quality, et cetera. And let me give you an example. And I've talked about this before on this podcast. When I started out, I was doing a side hustle thing. I was working full time at an ad agency, but I had some people who didn't want to go hire a full ad agency just to get some copywriting done and stuff like that. So I throw up a shingle as Collaborator Creative, and basically that's the name that's on my invoices that I send to people. But I've been backing off that branding for a long time now because the product, I realized, is me. I'm not going to grow it. I don't want to sell it to anybody. One of these days, I'm just going to turn off the lights, turn the, the close sign on, and I am done. Does that mean I shouldn't actively personally brand myself until that day? No, I need to do it every single day. But I'm very clearly branding me, myself, and letting people know who I am, what I do, and how I do it, because that's my goal. Other people, their side hustle is in their mind their main hustle, and they're only working full time for somebody else so that they can bootstrap their way into something bigger and better. In that case, and I can point back to some conversations we've had on this podcast with Jay Bear, his first company 
convince and convert. That's called convince and convert. And guess what? He just sold it. He is now Jay Bear 365 because he is going off and becoming what I would call his best self, doing presentations throughout the United States, writing books, being a thought leader. And he wouldn't admit it, but I think he's preparing to go into his Yoda phase of his career where you want to learn from Yoda, you hop in an X-Wing and you hang out in the swamp with Yoda. Rather than me constantly coming to you like Luke Skywalker with a blazing lightsaber. And that's because he's at a different phase in his career, right? So I don't know if this is answering your question so much as trying to identify the question, which is, are you saying, should I be personally branding myself or should I be branding my side hustle as a name, a firm and stuff like that? And if that's the question, my answer is start with yourself. Always start with yourself because your company will be yourself even after you sell it because the people who buy it will probably keep you on for a year or two just to ease the transition. That actually was an excellent answer to it because part of it was the idea of that transition, as you mentioned, like you did, is that you've, you, know, you started with creative uh, collaborator creative and that's going to the side. As you're saying, DP becomes greater as CC becomes less. It's in moving into that and saying, I, I did this and this worked for a time, but now I've got this more, this bigger brand that I see that I want to be. And this other thing, I'm just going to let that fall away. Yeah. And the big thing was that collaborator creative was me 100%. There was no other collaborator in my business. I would bring in some freelancers or uh, friends of mine who were designers or web developers and stuff like that on stuff that I couldn't handle every aspect of, but it was still my company and it was still me. I picked up the phone and every communication came from me to clients, et cetera. So I realized one day, why am I hiding behind a company name instead of answering the phone the way I answer the phone? A, a very quick test you can do. Should I be branding my company or should I be branding myself? Ask yourself this question. How do you answer your phone? If you answer your phone, Mrs. Gerber's cookies, guess what? Maybe you should be branding Mrs. Gerber's cookies. But if you answer, hey, this is DP, and then maybe you throw in at Collaborator Creative, I'm leading with DP, man. That's my answer. That's what I should be branding. There are probably some outliers, but for the most part, if you answer your phone with your name, that's who you should be branding. Good. I like that. That's a nice, simple way to look at it. Because it, it is a identity crisis that sometimes we run into this is where you start out in one thing and you say, oh, this is what I want to do. But now how do I, and this is actually a good follow-up to that is if somebody gets to a point where they say, hey, I've been branding as my company and I've really left my personal brand out. And this actually could speak two things. The other thing could be, I had a personal brand and I realized that was wrong. <laughs> that was not really my three and so I've shifted over to something else. And I realized this is, especially if you're young, you start out yeah. first five years, you say, this is what I am. You get a couple of years into it and you go, oh, that is not me. This other thing is me. How do you see, or how do you recommend shift, making that shift? Is it, uh, Hey, why don't you just cut it? Well, it's, forget the, that's a loss and move forward. Or do you, is it more of a, Hey, why don't you look at ways to transition from one to the other? I think it's mostly the fact that you think you can take off one thing like a pair of clothes and put on a different pair of clothes and look different 
That's the problem. You didn't go deep enough into who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Like that first principle thing that we talked about last week, that first principle of I am creative. That means if I'm at a job that requires data entry, I'm going to hate it. That means if the job requires working in a retail store, I'm going to hate it. That means if I have to sit in a, a line that makes a product and I have to do this and this every day, 500 times a day, I'm going to hate it. So that creativity thing, that's something that's not going to change. The other big cleavage is, are you uh, bureaucratic or entrepreneurial? And this is interesting because a lot of developers and coders might think I'm more on the, I like rigid structures and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, do you love it when something breaks so you can fix it? Or do you love it when something's fixed and it never breaks? That's a cleavage right there. And it's a very basic cleavage. It's you're one or the other, not both. There are people who love being the fireman who runs in. And there are people who like to build a house that can't burn. Which are you? And that's, a, again, a first level principle about yourself. So again, you look at those things, you make those decisions. And, and that's not the decision between, we were talking about music. Let's say you're a musician. That's not a, I only play blues. I only play rock and roll. I only play symphonic music. Actually, that's a really, that's a good comparison. If you got the soul of a rock and roller, are you going to be happy playing for even the best Philharmonic? No. If you have the soul of someone who wants to be in the second violins and match your tone so perfectly that no one can tell you're playing, all they hear is this glorious sound, are you going to be happy as a rock and roller? No. You have to identify that aspect of you so that the things that can't change don't change. And keep in mind, what you're talking about is pivoting by its very nature happens on a point that doesn't move. If you're thinking about a, a vertical axle, the end of the axle stands in one place, sits in one place, and it can rotate 360 degrees, and yet the axle does not move horizontally. That's the goal of your brand. A perfect personal brand allows you to pivot any way you want in any sector, and yet you are 100% true to who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, very much so. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. What else you got? So I got a question about the, the other one was the, the idea of the, I'll throw my little TM up for you, the Brandle. Versus oh, yeah. Yeah. And that idea is thinking about it from a, and this, I guess, goes back to my business and entrepreneurial side, but it feels a little bit like, like a personal brand elevator pitch. 
sort of something to like get, get that little catch. And I was wondering if that's, if it really is, is that a, is that a valid connection or is there, do you see those as some very different thing? Okay. So everyone's familiar with an elevator pitch, right? It's the thing you say to someone who looks down at your name tag at a conference, sees you work for XYZ Corporation. They look up at you and say, so what do you do at XYZ Corp? Or if you're, you're a salesperson, so, oh, oh yeah, I know your product. What makes it different? It's that the elevator's going up five floors. You got five floors to explain what it is, and then you get off. So typically, if you were to do a word count on something like that, it's somewhere between 75 and 150 words that you can memorize and just spiel out whenever you need to do it. That's great. You should absolutely have one. But a brandle is different. And again, Rob's talking about the concept in my book, Nonfiction Brand, where I talk about having a brand handle or what I call brandle because I'm a sarcastic SOB. A brandle is the type of stuff that someone says about you to someone else that they think you should meet. So I know this one guy I worked with a long time ago. Every single time I heard him introduced casually to someone else, they would say, he worked on the Got Milk campaign. Now, those of us old enough will remember that the, I think it was the California Fluid Milk Association had the great TV ads about Got Milk. That was a very big deal for anybody who worked in advertising and marketing for a long time. That was like saying, ooh, I wrote the words, just do it for, it was the defining thing. A brandle, in this case, is something that's wielded not by you, but by other people to pass you off onto someone else. Like, and the metaphor I use a lot is that imagine yourself, you've got this empty suitcase and you fill it with everything that makes you interesting, your, your family, your dogs, your hobbies, your passions, the things you hate, the foods you like, where you've been to college, you know, the trip you took to Barcelona where you had dr- got drunk on too much sangria and puked on the, the sangre de familia or whatever it is. All that stuff. That is the stuff that people learn about you somewhere down the road. That's not what you lead with. And that's not necessarily the memorable stuff. You can zip up that suitcase and carry that whole suitcase of who that person is because you've got a brand handle or brandle that makes it easy for you. So somebody just literally, this just happened two days ago to me. A friend of mine sent me an email connection to someone and she said, this person does X just like you do. I think you guys should talk. She didn't say, and I heartily recommend her or anything like that. It was just, here's a quick, common point. Talk amongst yourselves. So what is your brandle? Like if you're old enough in your career that if you worked on something that was well known in your field of study or field of endeavor, and you said, he's the guy who fixed the blank. And people went, oh, That's what I mean by brandle. It's like being able to say, like so many people go to town on the fact that he played at Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock, what, 50 years ago? Doesn't matter. To some people, that's really impressive. To others, they don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Doesn't matter. It's the thing that allows you to pass someone off onto someone else. And it's the thing that ideally you're telling them to say. So, 
How does that work? D.P. Knuton, who has the Nonfiction Brand podcast and the book Nonfiction Brand. Oh, he's the Nonfiction Brand guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen this stuff. I see his stuff on LinkedIn all the time. I never really checked it out, but he's the Nonfiction Brand guy. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what a brandle is. Excellent. I like that. Yeah, I like the deeper deeper explanation of it uh, because yeah. that was, it, it did have, that, it had some of that feel, but trying to get a little bit of better understanding of how that really gets, how that's used in, in the practical sense of it as well as what, you know, where that would be different from so many other things. There's all these like taglines and all the other little things that you may have as part of your brand having well, something different so you can hand it off. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at you because in the brief amount of time that I've gotten to know you, I know certain things. Not in depth. I have no idea what certifications you have. I have no idea what languages and frameworks you've worked in. But I do know that, oh, Rob, you want a problem solver who speaks geek and business at the same time? He's your guy. What does that mean? Okay, so I, obviously I love Star Trek and stuff like that. You're a guy who can call bs on scotty who says i cannot do it captain no bs scotty you can do it just get it done how valuable is that to a company oh my god i'm in the midst of doing a huge website with a firm that i'm calling bs on them all the time even though i do light html coding but i know enough to be a pain in their butt which is good for the company i'm working for yeah that's an excellent example it's, you know, is having that he said, it's not necessarily, I wasn't at Woodstock or anything like that, but it's that catch that says that this is, if somebody has this kind of problem or this kind of discussion they want to have, this is who, you know, I want to give you that brandle that says, I'm the person to talk to about that, or I'm the person to have that conversation. Yeah. Let's say that you've got a good uh, insurance agent who is able to bundle to the old progressive bundle, your home, your auto, your boat, your RV and all that stuff. If you have that insurance person and someone's looking for insurance and you felt good about this person in recommending them, you might say, you know what, this guy figured out a way to save us 500 bucks annually on these things. That is a brandle in action, which is the reason you should talk to this guy is he saved me 500 bucks. And again, you're arming other people with your arguments that will cut ice with the person they're handing them off to. It's not about what I have to sell. It's about who I am. It's about what I did. It's the interesting stuff that you want to share. I just, earlier today, I did a presentation and in explaining the concept of the key three, which we've talked about a little bit in the past episode in this one, I used the example of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, everyone pretty much knows who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. He's replaced Carl Sagan as the go-to astronomer or astronomy resource for all the major networks and you, you name it. He's the guy you want to get the soundbite from. There is a very cool video on YouTube of him speaking at the American Natural History Museum in, I want to say 2013, where he, it, it's actually, if you type in Neil deGrasse Tyson, Anatomy of a Soundbite, you'll find it. And he's talking about what he learned early on as the director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. If something happens in the heavens, they find a comet. Maybe the comet's coming toward Earth. Is it going to hit Earth? 
we need to have an expert on to tell us it's not going to hit Earth. So they call Neil deGrasse Tyson, director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. He gets on, they interview him, and he goes off for 20 minutes on the trajectory of the comet is not going to hit us and the blah, 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 blah. He's excited. His first TV hit, if you will. And he watches the program and they basically do a soundbite of him saying something along the lines of, it's really big. And that's it. 15 minutes of talking and they cut out him saying, it's really big. And he was like, why didn't they pick my explanation and all that stuff? And he realized because they don't have the time and the viewers don't have the attention span to deal with a lecture from an astronomical genius. And that's when he realized that there's an anatomy to a soundbite. Check out that video. It's great. But he talks about basically three things. That it's got to be short. That it's got to be fun. That it's got to be something that is, and he uses the word, so tasty that you want to share it with somebody else. That's what the key three is for your personal brand, which is who you are, what you do, and how you do it. But it's so tasty that people go, oh, yeah, DP. He does that collaborator creative thing, the nonfiction brand stuff. So if you want a a creative collaborator, you should call him. Or if you want, in the case of my guest, Rob Broadhead, a no BS guy who can speak geek and understands business and can make both of them work. Hey, did I just describe your raison d'etre? The reason people should call you? I think I did. One other question that just, it's not really a question, it's more a little thought thing. As I was going through and reading this, and really it does come down to, the personal brand really comes down to understanding yourself and being true to, it's a no BS, no filter version of yourself and you really understanding it. And got another buddy that wrote a, just wrote a book not too long ago about imposter syndrome, which has Mm -hmm. become a huge topic du jour for, I don't know, last couple of years at least. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was wondering is, how do you see that the nonfiction brand maybe almost being a cure for imposter syndrome? And I think it's because as I was thinking through, I was like, maybe this is something where if you really understand yourself and how you got there, maybe you don't get to that point where you're, where you think that somebody's about to throw that hook and, and yank you off the stage. I think that's a really great point because the other thing that goes with it, fake it till you make it. These are very popular sayings and I hate that crap. But there is the reality that, especially when you're young, you haven't experienced everything. You don't know everything. You try on stuff, styles. They're a pair of shoes you can put on and take off anytime you want and swap it. Well, if that's the case, if you're thinking about branding yourself like that, you're not doing what I'm talking about nonfiction branding. It's much deeper than that. And let me give you an example. One of the favorite people I've had on this podcast a couple of different times is a person I first met when she was 23 years old, I think, on LinkedIn. Sarah Gross is her name. And she was just killing it. About three, four years ago, she was just killing it, getting a ton of attention and engagement. And she was, in spite of the fact of her relative youth, getting a lot of attention from people who had been around a whole lot longer than she had. Not all of it good because some of the old gray-haired guys were ripping on her for, what do you know? You dropped out of Syracuse University and you don't know anything. What she knew about herself was that 
and and actually I'm not sure I, I should look it up, but her profile in LinkedIn, the first couple words on it used to be breaking things or I break things. And she understood that about herself, which was I'm not a rule follower. I'm a rule breaker. I do things people say I can't and then prove them wrong. And and she understood the cleavage between bureaucrat and entrepreneur, and she was a hundred percent pure entrepreneur, even if working in organizations and stuff like that. And it got to the point where she was working at her company. I think she's still there. And this was at the early days of what we would call influencer marketing, which was a brave new world. Nobody knew how to engage with Instagram influencers and build programs and how much do you pay those people and what can you expect to get from them? All that stuff. Nobody knew it was being created on the fly. She knew enough about herself at age 23 to walk into her bosses and say, I know I've only been here a couple of months, but we need to develop a division dedicated to influencer marketing and I'm going to head it. Here's my plan. This is how we can get started. This is what we can do. They were so impressed. And because she wasn't asking for much more than permission, they said, okay, when you find some clients, we'll start putting some money against it. And she found clients and they started putting money against it. And she's under the age of 30 and the director of influencer marketing for Mute 6, which is a a new media company out on the West Coast. She could have tried whatever hair color she wanted. She could wear whatever clothes she wanted. She could try. She could be goth one week, preppy the next. It didn't matter. She was trying on all sorts of stuff, but she understood the first principle, true brand nature of herself. I'm an entrepreneur. I break things. I'm not afraid of anything. If I were her, those are the key three I'd give her right there. And you, talking about her, would say her brandle. She's not afraid of anything. And you'd be right. And by the way, that can pivot in any direction for any company, for any sector, anything that humans do. She can do it and stay 100% true to her true brand nature. What I would call her nonfiction brand. Yeah, and that one, something like that is when he is, which has been part of going through that, reading through it, is that the nonfiction, your, your real brand those core three, they go, they do go so much farther beyond just a brand. When you think of your corporate and your professional life, those are the things that are, that, that carries you through all your personal life and relationships and everything else is that really is it's, it is a a truly valuable thing to have beyond just your career and and wanting to do your, however many 40 years that you're working or 50 or 60 or however long it takes you. It's, this is the sooner somebody can figure that out. I think the better as, as she's a perfect example, if you're young and you've got that figured out, then the rest of your life, you get to figure out how to, where do you want to pivot that to? Where do you want to leverage that? Oh yeah. She's so far ahead of the game because she, I think, I don't think she sat down and said, well, I'm going to do a brand process. She's just so totally in touch with who she is. And every time you engage with her, that's exactly what you get someone who's not afraid of anything. She breaks things. And I can't remember the third, but anyway, (laughs) but that's how it works. If you do the work, you can create a nonfiction brand that can serve you 
your entire career. Now, I've been talking with Rob Broadhead, who is by nature and nurture and professional career, a guy who works in technology, specifically with developers and software coders and stuff like that. But he's so much more than that. He is a problem solver who bridges between disparate lands that speak different languages. Isn't that a whole lot sexier than uh, I'm a facilitator? (laughs) Just a little bit more. Anyway, Rob has a great podcast called Developpreneur, which is a little hard to say, but if you search for Building Better Developers or ask Alexa to play that podcast, Building Better Developers, you'll get it. Correct. And that comes out twice a week, which is mightily impressive. How can people get a hold of you if they wanted to ask you about what you do and how you do it? The best way is always developpreneur.com, D-E-V-E-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. The site, there's contact forms, but also info at developpreneur.com is just a nice, easy way to get it. You know, email, you can drop that in an email box and get back to you very quickly on whatever questions you may have. There you go. Check out the Developpreneur podcast anywhere podcasts are free. Yes. Right? However they get them to you. <laughs> definitely check it out it's i think it's absolutely worth it also check out rob broadhead on linkedin that's rob broadhead b-r-o-a-d-h-e-a-d who goes by the nom de work solution architect entrepreneur and author so if you find that you found the right rob broadhead that's it for this week on the Nonfiction brand podcast i'm your host dp knuton and i would love for you to like subscribe refer and review this podcast wherever you get it because that really helps people find it and he is rob broadhead and thanks for having me oh it's my pleasure and i'll be talking to all you nonfiction branders out there next week bye bye <laughs>